Well, here we go. It's Friday, everybody, and Friday we know it's Inside EMS. We are ending the week with some really great Inside EMS discussion. This episode of the Inside EMS podcast is sponsored by Boundary Medical. Learn how Boundary can help you save minutes and lives at Boundary.com. My good friend is with us, Kelly Grayson, KG. How have you been the past couple of days? It's like it's like almost like we're hanging out. You know, you talked the other day on the show how we've had the longest relationship, the third longest relationship, and now we're starting to talk more in the week. It's giving me a little bit of worry. Yeah, uh, um, uh, and unfortunately, this is when I usually run is when when my partner gets all clingy like you're getting, Sevalero. So so back off a little bit, man. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm doing good, Chris. I just uh, uh, the the usual, you know, trying to plan classes and, and get get rolling with uh, online education uh, full time and and um, and doing my my gig uh, on the ambulance in Southwest Louisiana, taking care of uh, sick people and and thwarting natural selection. That's right, doing your best paramedic stuff. That's right. That's right. So the paramedic dream. You know, Kelly, I'm really excited today. Um, You know, we were talking about it the other day and our great guests and uh, that we've had over the 449 shows and the 1 million listens that we've had on the Inside EMS podcast. And uh, you actually brought up that one of the great leaders in our career field that we've not had on is John Politis. And you went out and uh, you found John and said, hey, come on the show and we are excited that John Politis is going to join us today, and he is a full-time consultant. He's a teacher, and he's on his way now to uh, Wyoming, where he's going to work as a park ranger, which we all are going to envy. But, John, I want to thank you for joining us on the Inside EMS podcast. Well, thanks a lot, Chris. I'm glad to be here. You know, and i got to tell you, I mean, when it comes to leadership, I mean, you are one of the guys that we all look to for guidance and, uh, you know, role model and mentorship. So we want to thank you for that. But, you know, I, I think the, the thing that I want to talk to you about is when we think about leadership now in this time of pandemic, when we think about how we run our organizations in the time of pandemic, we really kind of have to change our processes of how we're motivating and how we're inspiring the workforce. But I, I think my first question to you is we know that self-motivation is the hardest part of leadership when we have to try to lead ourselves. So what do we need to do as leaders to get ourselves ready to lead the workforce in this time of pandemic? That's a great question. Um, you know, I think, you know, one of the things that's the essence of leadership is, is trust and, and, uh, and speaking the truth. And I think, I don't think there's um, been many things that are going to bring about the kind of changes that this pandemic is, uh, is, is really causing. And I think Probably, you know, it, it, it certainly is going to change our clinical care, but I think one of the things that it's hard to overlook is uh, what's going to happen in terms of our finances, and there's going to be changes to how we deliver our operation. And And I think um, if you're any kind of leader, you're really taking a good look at your finances in terms of what is your level of tax subsidy, and if you're completely tax-supported, um, you know, what's, what's beginning to happen with your municipality. I think... Um, the average EMT or paramedic, the person who's on the front lines, doesn't necessarily understand the finances. And I think this is a good time to start for leaders to to uh, explain the finances of an EMS operation and what's happening. Because I think that'll, that'll provide the workforce. It may not be a pleasant conversation, but at least we'll provide them with some insight as to what may happen next. I think, um, you know, most municipalities... Um, it's uh, their, their revenue streams come from both uh, property taxes and then other fees. 
uh, a typical municipality back where I'm from, uh, only about probably uh, neighborhood of 40 to 50 percent of the of their revenue comes from property taxes. The other um, 40 to 60 or 50 to 60 percent comes from from sales tax and other fees. And as our economy has started to retract, municipalities are not getting the sales tax revenues. And that's that's true for both state, county, and local governments. Um, and uh, most municipalities are starting to see this and, and are, are really now are coming to grips with the fact that um, they're going to probably have to start cutting services. Um, and I think for a lot of people, EMTs and paramedics, um, they, need to, they need to get some, some um, advanced warning of what may happen next. And I think, um, you know, also as a, from a leadership perspective, I think we've done a lot of things, particularly with personal protective equipment and just-in-time delivery, which uh, obviously work, may work in the past, but, you know, it certainly isn't really working for us right now. And I think, you know, as a leader, um, we also have to do some personal planning for ourselves. But I think a, it's a good time to begin to think about um, what the future is going to look like. Um, I think in the beginning phases of the pandemic, we were released background from we were eerily quiet. Um, and for probably almost two months, our call volume decreased by at least 50%, some places even more. Um, that's starting to pick back up again, but we don't really know where all this is going to settle out because we know, particularly with EMS, it's, it's a combination of both uh, billing revenue and in some cases some tax subsidy. It's a mix of both of those things. Um, and um, if you're billing, um, you won't begin to see the dip in revenue for probably a few more months as the you know revenue that you, you know, when you're if you do the call today uh, three or four or five months from now is when you actually see the revenue and that's when the dip in the revenue is going to occur so i think um as leaders i think you really have to anticipate and prepare for that and i also believe that this is a good time to to sit down with your staff and begin to explain what the landscape looks like um you know i know some services back home that have that historically always um, we're always in a hiring mode that stopped doing that because for fear of not wanting to have to lay off people that they just hired. Um, and in some cases um, I know people at work and uh, work full-time as firefighters and have two and three other part-time jobs to augment their, um, you know, their salaries and their lifestyle where, you know, I don't know that all those part that their full-time jobs are going to be there. And it's also not clear what's going to happen with their part-time jobs. So, I think um, certainly don't want to create a crisis of confidence and consumer confidence, but um, this is a good time to actually sit down with people, I think, and start explaining um, what this may look like in the future um, because that affects your expenditures, both personal and also from your organization's point of view. Yeah, that's an excellent point, John. Brought up that that uh, that I don't think many uh, uh, EMTs and paramedics can fully appreciate or have really considered is is uh, the revenue stream uh, and and how our funding comes from uh, tax revenues and and we're we're not in just a recession we're in a depression right now and um, we're heroes in the eyes of the public right now but when when things like pension funds are are our uh, pension bills are, and payments are coming due um, uh, municipalities are, are probably going to start looking at us with a, a more gimlet eye than they are right now um, I just I, I hadn't really you know most most paramedics and healthcare workers kind of generally think of themselves or their profession as recession proof 
you know, because we uh, people are always going to get sick, and we're always, you know, we're uh, we'll always have job opportunities out there. But um, when when there's no money to fund those job opportunities, a lot of agencies, private, public, uh, and the like, are are all going to have to start doing some serious belt tightening, and and that may mean uh, contraction and 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 raises and cost of living benefits and, and scaling back on, on benefits and, and, and God forbid, hiring freezes and, and, and cutting uh, hours and, and availability. So from, uh, from a financial standpoint, we, we've got probably a grim outlook ahead. I, I, I think you painted that picture fairly well. Let's shift gears toward leadership and and transparent servant leadership. And how are you inspiring your crews? Uh, how would you? What would you suggest to EMS leaders out there to keep their workforce uh, active, engaged, um, and and happy as they can be right now in in this trying time? Well, I don't, I don't think there's any any substitute for uh, good communication and and spending time with your staff. I think. You know, every organization is different. Certainly in really large organizations, it's difficult to meet with your crews on a personal basis. But, um, you know, I think we need to use whatever communications tools are available to us, you know, ranging from face-to-face to, you know, webinars and podcasts and newsletters. And, you know, I think I think we have to keep our level of communication high. You know, we need to listen to the workforce about what we're seeing out there. I think some of the greatest innovations that we've, that we've really seen uh, during this pandemic have really come from the front lines. Um, so I think we've got to spend a lot of our time listening and doing our best to serve the needs of the people that, that really we work for as leaders. Um, I think, um, you know, to say that you're a leader implies that people are willing to follow you. And, and you know, that's a that's kind of complex. Um, you know, but yeah, the essence of it is, is, one of in- or what is one of integrity, telling the truth, communicating with people and people you having the trust of your people. Um, and at the same time, I think there's this, there's optics involved in this. I think, you know, certainly after nine 11, we were America's heroes. And then when the, when the recession hit around 2008, um, you know, we, we were all perceived to have pretty cushy public jobs and, and uh, you know, then pensions and the, the secure salaries that we had, you know, we were looked at as public enemy number one. And I think, you know, that certainly is, that certainly is going to be true probably in the future. So I think, I think there's no substitute for paying attention to the optics of what is likely to happen next and to learn from what happened, you know, right after the recession that we had in 2008. Um, and, um, you know, that means that everybody needs to feel the pain. That's just, just not just the, the front lines. It means the people that are in leadership positions as well. Um, and, um, you know, I just let it go at that. There's a lot of things I could say that I probably probably shouldn't say, but I think certainly as a leader, um, you know, I think um, you know people who are real leaders are the ones that put their people first, and they're the ones that eat last. And I think you have yeah. to be paying attention to how you're serving your staff um, and, uh, and doing your best to um, um, be worthy of the trust that they put in you. So, John, I'm going to go ahead and take a quick break here. But the question I want to ask you on the other side of the break is, you know, leadership, they say it's lonely at the top. And my good friend John Maxwell says, if it's lonely at the top, you're doing something wrong. But I think from a leadership standpoint, sometimes we are making decisions that the workforce really doesn't know how hard our job is as leaders. So I'm going to want you to convey what's the one thing that the workforce needs to know 
uh, about the leadership team during this time of pandemic. But before we do that, as your partner in EMS for over 40 years, Bountry has made it their goals to provide you with more than just emergency medical supplies and equipment. Bountry partners with you to create efficiencies within your agency, streamline your operations, and help you find ways to make the most out of your budget. Your dedicated accounts manager will be your true partner, acting as your personal advisor to help you determine which solutions are right for you and your specific needs. To find out more or to set up a new account, visit Bountree.com or call 800-533-0523. So, John, I set you up really good, right? I mean, so as leaders, sometimes we got to make decisions, right? Sometimes we got to do things that the workforce just doesn't understand. And you mentioned communication, and communication is the cornerstone to any successful organization. But sometimes we don't do a good job of communicating what's going on in the ivory towers of the EMS leadership offices. So when we think about this from a pandemic standpoint, what do you think is the most important thing that the workforce needs to know about their leaders as they try to get them through these you know, challenging times? Well, you know, I think... I think the leaders that I've known uh, and have been around that are, I think are the most effective are the ones that are the most human that have the that have the human touch um, that are relatable. Uh, they they have a high level of communications with their staff and they listen to their staff. And I think um, and I think you know we talked a little bit earlier about how sometimes there's a feeling about it being leadership is lonely. It's lonely and in that you you take on a, a tremendous amount of burden and often you're not able to explain to people the burden that you're taking on. Um, but I think you need to be there. And I think we also need to do what we can to create a sense of optimism in the workplace and also be honest as far as, you know, what are our finances? Where is this going? You know, and really what can the staff do to help? Um, I think they've got to be, they got to be part of the loop. And I think they've also got to be listened to carefully. I think far too many leaders really don't listen to the folks that are on the front line and often get a, uh, a reputation of being the ivory tower because they simply aren't listening to what people on the front lines are, are doing and dealing with every day. You know, that's a, a excellent point, John. And, and in my career, uh, in the leadership positions I've had and, and the, the leaders I've followed, one of the most important things, probably the most important thing was, was the openness and the transparency and, and communication. No one likes to be dictated to uh and and feel uh powerless in in decision making and and the most effective leaders that we've had uh or that i've had personally in my career were the ones that were collaborative uh and, and when they had to make a decision without input uh they excelled at explaining why that decision was necessary but another aspect of, of effective leadership is is agility um semper gumby you know you have to always be flexible what would you suggest to, to current EMS leaders and, and how they approach uh, uh, their leadership uh, of their agency going forward? Uh, 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 what things are they going to have to change? We've already seen things like, you know, uh, uh, having to be very agile in the way we meet and communicate and, and teach classes with all the social distancing and the things that we can't do in person anymore. Uh, I think the educators are stepping up to the plate very well and leveraging the power of the Internet, something that, that Chris and I were talking about last week. Um, but from from multiple standpoints, uh, communications, um, operations, education, funding, uh, what, what kind of uh, 
agile strategies would you suggest to, to EMS leaders out there to, to help uh, overcome some of the obstacles we're going to be facing in the future? Well, well, that's a great question. I think it's to look for what the opportunities are. Um, and what I'm beginning to see evolve is, um, is the use of technologies and, and institutions that have always done things a certain way starting to change how they do things, everything from extending the length of certifications to uh, using Zoom and webinars and, um, and EMS agencies uh, taking a look at how they do things clinically and deciding to make important clinical changes that, uh, that make sense. So I think, you know, this is a really good point to really be flexible. Um, and, um, you know, also, you know, one of the things that I've had to deal with over the years, because I had to deal with a couple of OSHA visits over the years, is, uh, is uh, respiratory protection. Um, trying to get people to follow a respiratory protection plan has been difficult up to this point. And I would say that the COVID crisis is to respiratory protection and what bloodborne AIDS was to bloodborne pathogen protection. Um, that uh, we now are really going to have to start taking um, our, um, our respirator policies seriously, respirator physicals, being clean shaven so that they work properly, being careful with aerosolizing procedures, and, um, and also um, starting to look at uh, how we decontaminate things. And a lot of our ambulances are built out of plywood, which are almost impossible to completely decontaminate. And, and yeah. we're uh, going to have to be flexible in looking at new technologies that we may have to start building into our ambulances to, to actually achieve uh, you know, effective decontamination. I think it's going to require a lot of flexibility, both in terms of of administration, education, and also our clinical care. Um, and I don't think that we're ever going to go back to the way things used to be. Um, you know, Kelly, you and I, and Chris, we, we all speak at conferences, and um, and I'm, I'm certainly booked for some conferences in the fall, and I, I kind of have some serious doubt about whether they're actually going to happen or not. Um, I, you know, I think the COVID is going to be with one. us for quite a while. Yeah. Pardon? I say you're not the only um, one. Yeah, and I think this is going to be with us for a while, and I think um, it's stressful, certainly for people in leadership, because they have to take all of this on, anticipate what the problems might be, and also, um, I don't know anybody who's a leader who uh, doesn't have a awful lot of stress about either having to lay somebody off or let somebody go or, you know, contract an operation, because if you're any kind of a leader, you really care about your people, and you know what that's going to do to them. Um so, you know, I also think as leaders, um, you also have to take good care of yourself. And that means that you need to have some personal sounding boards and you will need to access some help as well, because this is not easy for anybody. Um, everybody I know in leadership is working really long days to just stay on top of um, the drinking from the information fire hose um, that we know about this pandemic uh, and dealing with all the changes. Um, and uh, the angst that we have from our people and not necessarily being able to uh, supply them with all the PP that they would like. Um, um, looking at new ways of doing things, we may not be able to, um, but we'd like to have disposable gowns and a lot of things that are disposable that we, it may not be even possible because of the supply chain issues. So we may be having to look at using reusable things and then how we're going to go about cleaning them and, and I think it's going to bring about a lot of innovation. And, um, and I think looking at other, um, other um, occupations and see how they do things as well. 
So I think that means that everybody who's in leadership is now really working overtime and is just really working hard, struggling to try and keep up with all of this. Um, and I don't know anybody who's in a leadership job right now who isn't really working really long hours. And, and of course, the roost sometimes from the front lines, because I still work as a paramedic, is, uh, uh, what are they doing? And you know, when I work as a paramedic, I, I spend a fair amount of time trying to explain to people that I work with that, yeah, I know it doesn't look like they're doing very much, but here's what's going on behind the scenes that you may not have thought of. And there's a lot. Um, and, uh, and I think um, you can't, as a leader, spend your entire day walking around telling people what it is that you're doing, but you can spend some time talking to people and trying to give them some, um, some situational awareness about, about what's happening. And there's an old saying that confidence is that feeling that you have before you completely understand a situation. And, uh, <laughs> and I don't think this is any different. So uh, yeah. <laughs> you be confident when you don't necessarily understand the situation, but all of a sudden you understand it. You're like, Oh, Oh my gosh, I, I never thought of that before. You know, when it comes to the clinical issues, um, the uh, of how we're approaching things, when it comes to the what's going on behind financially and, and the people that I know that are chiefs and directors that are thinking, you know, three, four, five, six, six months or a year out, what's this going to look like? Um, they've taken an awful lot. And at the same time, you know, they're on webinars, they're reading things, they're trying to stay on top of all of this. They're, they're going to EOCs and... Um, um, and there's a, there's a whole political aspect to this. Right now, everyone's singing the hosannas of the first responders and the healthcare workers. And at the same time, eh, many are going to get laid off simply because hospitals don't have billable events and EMS agencies are not running the calls. Um, and, uh, so, and, and then the ones that do survive um, may be facing the public looking at them with scorn that they have, a, they have a good, reliable job when, eh, they can't even put food on the table. So um, I think it's like buckle your seatbelt. I think we're all going to be in for a bit of a bumpy ride. And I think for those that are in leadership positions, it's, 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 I think one of the most important things for me has always been my professional network. Uh, and I think we need to lean on each other a little bit. And we need to, at times, um, you know, use each other as sounding boards, you know, aside. Uh, because... Uh, we can't always, uh, you can't bleed in public. You can't get, get out in front of your staff and, and, uh, and, and start bleeding about what you're going through. I think you, you need to be careful about that because that, of course, sets a tone. And, but but um, I, I know what leaders are going through, um, and, uh, and it's difficult right now. And I don't think it's going to get any easier in the next year. Yeah. What do you what do you think about fiscal agility? Uh, before these agencies start to see the the dip uh, from from lack of sales tax revenue and 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 lack of run volume uh, and and while the iron is hot and we are heroes in the eyes of the community and and it seems like Uncle Sugar is handing out uh, stimulus money right and left is now the time to uh, aggressively uh, uh, pursue grant. Uh, uh, grant funding and, and that sort of thing, even if you don't feel like you need it right now, would that be well, advised? Absolutely. I, yeah, I, absolutely. I think you're crazy if you don't do that. You have to be looking at, uh, at sources of funding to be able to, to um, you know, maintain a state of readiness in both with people and vehicles and equipment and stations. And, and, um, um, and again, that all that adds to the stress. I mean, I, 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 I've, I've been quite successful over the years of, of doing grants and 
I will tell you that one federal grant that I went after took about about a month of my time uh, and, a, and a time of my staff to actually put it together. And we didn't get it. Of course, in other ones, we did. So, um, again, that's one of those things that most folks don't necessarily understand, that um, it requires a lot of work. Um, and, um, and, you can, and unless you've been in a position of leadership, um, you know, there's nothing impossible for the person who doesn't have to do it. <laughs> and, uh, when you're the person who has to do it, uh, you realize, oh, my gosh, this is really difficult, uh, and it's not quite as easy. Um, you know, as folks sitting in a day room going, oh, what are they doing? You know, it doesn't look like they're doing anything. But, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that you're, you know, while the duck may appear to be calm on the surface, the feet are yeah. paddling about 100, 100 miles an hour trying to, trying to scramble. Um, I think if you're a leader, this is a good time to sit down with your with your officials that uh, deal with the financing and just have a frank conversation. Well, where is this going? What do you What are you seeing in terms of, you know, what is what is going to happen? Um, every municipality is going to have to develop their own priorities, their fiscal priorities, and um, you know I think EMS has to abdicate. Um, unfortunately, EMS in most communities is pretty thin. We we don't have an awful lot of fat, even on a even when things are good. Money yeah. is really tight, and um, and I don't know any place where that isn't true. Yeah, um, good points, all John, and and uh, as as you pointed out, uh, failing to plan is planning to fail. We have a lot to unpack uh, uh, from what we talked about today, and uh, it's certainly going to be interesting times in the future. Um, but I, I think strong EMS leaders are going to come through this okay. Um, by virtue of the fact that they're they're strong EMS leaders and they do all the things yeah. that you and Chris uh, uh, have been pointing out. But, hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. What steps is your agency taking to plan for the future? Uh, how are you looking at uh, solidifying and diversifying your revenue streams? We'd like to hear your thoughts at the show at ems1.com. And for myself, co-host Chris Settlero, and one of my personal heroes in EMS, John Politis. Thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We're going to catch you guys next week, and you be safe out there. <laughs>